0: Hi, this is Jess Von Bank for the Now of Work podcast. I hope you're enjoying all of these great episodes. I know how much fun Jason Averbook and I are having recording them. We get the pleasure of having lots of interesting, meaty conversations with really incredible thought leaders and strategists and practitioners who are changing the game in their own way, in their own particular space. But more importantly, they share the same mindset that we do, that we can all advance change better and faster if we work together, if we share all of our best ideas with each other and really talk about the now of work and what it will take to to co-create what work looks like next. Um, I was so excited to have Scott Waldron on the podcast. Um, Scott and I met at an in-person event. Remember when we had those in Atlanta? He was planning to be the keynote speaker for the next one, Uh, so he attended one of our fuel work events in Atlanta at Cox Enterprises, and he teased his topic, and I see no reason why we can't have that conversation now, and the good news is we get to share it more broadly. The topic that I really, really got excited for, for Scott to talk about was the intersection of internal and external brand getting those two to line up and making sure that you don't forget your workforce, forget about the people inside your organization. When you build and communicate and market the incredible brand story that your company probably has, why do we get the short end of the stick once we're inside your company continue to, to, tie those two together, make the connections and keep recruiting me, keep marketing to me, build a beautiful experience for me too, as an employee, just like as a, as if I was a consumer and don't forget that I'm both. Um, and so we talk about that and we also talk about how coronavirus is making business more human. I think that's really incredible. And for those companies that are rebranding, transforming themselves and possibly rebranding in the midst of crisis they're also leading under incredible stress how do you do that and and how do you think about the overlap between brand which is external but should also be internal as well culture marketing and design and Scott, you know, has, has lots of experience in wa- walking individual business owners and small business owners and entrepreneurs, as well as big corporations, um, through the key f- the key phases of all of that, which includes developing a brand strategy, developing culture, uh, and then the design and the role of design in supporting brand and communication, and then the marketing tactics that you use to deliver all of that. This was such a fantastic conversation around communication and how that can be leveraged to build and foster connection, especially now, more importantly now. Um, and how much does that strategy, your communication strategy, differ now? Or does it? Does it matter by environment, for a distributed work model? Does it change for generations or geographies? Uh, great, great conversation around brand and culture and so much more. Please enjoy this episode with Scott Waldron. Hey Scott, thank you for joining me.
1: Hi, you're like my new favorite person.
0: I love that, how so? Uh,
1: I don't know, you're just like, I don't know we just connect you know (laughs) no it's just it's just good vibes all the way around so really I love
0: it I think we're probably similar similarly obsessed with a couple of the same things which is what we're going to unpack today Uh, and I think you know I just looked at the calendar and realized that we were supposed to be doing a live event together in Atlanta in a couple of weeks my oh my how the world has changed
1: come on down We'll still, we'll still do it we'll just do it from my uh, living room or something
0: yeah right? I'll get in a hazmat suit to get there yeah exactly and then, and then we just launch an event series everybody yeah you know events.
1: <laughs> yeah it'll be all about ppe equipment and how to do webinars with you
0: know, yeah everybody. exactly well uh and the reason i asked you originally to come speak to an audience Uh, of mine is because I see a lot of intersections between the work that you do and how we talk to people about work and so I want to uh, unpack a couple of things that are really relevant probably now more than ever around brand and culture and communicating with your customers and your people Uh, but before we do that let's give the audience a proper introduction Scott would you tell people what you do in your day job or just what you do you can describe whatever you want (laughs)
1: yeah my day and my night job are the same so you know it's uh it's good i i have in essence i help people communicate more effectively ultimately leading to more loyalty inside of organizations and outside organizations Um, that creates more alignment more consistency and ultimately helps us differentiate um and position ourselves better for recruitment on one side and also uh creating more customer loyalty on the other side, more sales and revenue.
0: So why do you think it is that we forget the fact that our our employees are our customers too? Because we do still talk about external brand and internal brand. And sometimes we forget to connect the two, but why is it even two I know I'm throwing you a, a a pitch I didn't tell you to plan for, but but that whole thing, the fact that we have an external brand and we treat customers like kings and queens, the customers are gold, and then we have our people and we somehow treat them differently or we act a little differently.
1: I think it's the way business has been brought up. I mean, I think that the way business has been raised. It's it's you've got marketing in their silo over here, right? And then you've got H R. and their silo over here, you've got sales and you've got operations and you've got customer service and you've you know like everybody has their day- to day grind, their day- to day tasks, and they don't communicate a lot with each other, right so I mean over the past I'd probably say eight to ten years and and working with companies on one the design side, but also more the branding marketing side, the external brand side, we'll call it um We've noticed that, hey, why are you guys in marketing working with sales more? Because sales and marketing are always at each other, right? Marketing's always like, hey, sales, we gave you a thousand leads. And then sales is like, yeah, but 99% of those leads were horrible. So they're always like in conflict, right? But we forget that in order, if we were able to create more consistency and alignment within our organization, with for example, marketing and sales, but the executive team's in on that conversation, customer service is in on that conversation, operations is in on that conversation, if we can create all of that alignment, how much more powerful will we be in our external side? So ultimately, back to your question, I think it's just the way we've been brought up, to think these are the internal people, they're just here to do the job, and then we need to make sure we wow our customers you know, wow, our customers as much as possible. So they keep buying our stuff. But then at, at the same time, the dysfunction inside of our organization is causing problems and the way that we work and the way our operations and our production line is happening. And there's high turnover and our customers are seeing that there's high turnover. And I don't know, there's, it just becomes a big mess. So I think it's a big problem. I think they need to be aligned more than ever.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the the transition that happened in the last 8 to 10 years. I call it the glass door phenomenon, and I think it's one of the best things that could have happened to recruitment and talent acquisition because we figured out that people have a voice, and they have places to speak, and they will speak, and that can be a bad thing when disgruntled employees have a poor experience, and they go out and talk about it, and we know they're more likely to talk about it if it is poor than if it's a positive one, But I think that's when we figured out the power of influencer marketing, which was not a new concept, is not a new concept. Every great marketer, every person in brand can tell you about the power of consumer advocacy, of customer activation, of influencer marketing. And all of a sudden we had this aha moment that people love to talk about their experience and why are we not activating employees with our brand and our message? And when we started to do that, when we started to pull that branding and those advocacy principles into talent acquisition and we developed recruitment marketing, which is the same as customer and product marketing, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we figured out that when people talk and share content, and it doesn't have to be branded content, but when people share information, it performs eight times better than when a brand shares information. That's because you know me and you trust me. Um, and so I think that was a really powerful phenomenon that brought together in a very necessary way the worlds of talent acquisition and HR. I'll actually just broaden that to HR um, in the way we talk to and communicate with our people and treat them like customers and the, and the world of consumer marketing.
1: See, just talking to you gives me the aha moment, right? Because I never even was like you know, influencer marketing, everybody marketing everybody thinks about I'm gonna pay this Instagram influencer $500 per post to like do something right but that's just in theory what the idea is behind influencer marketing on the internal side it is that employee right it is that team member it is that leader it is whoever and I always I always kind of go from the aspect of if my if my employee is going home at night saying bad things about me as a leader as it, or their team or the company as a whole that's a brand problem right like you have a brand problem brand is reputation it's 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 what people say about you when you're not around i don't care if you're inside the company or outside the company um it's going to it's going to have that effect now I think it's interesting what you said about the glass door thing, right, is is I know a lot of people that are just like, oh, glass door, like, oh, you can't, like, oh, all there are just people on there griping because they're all unhappy, right? So here's the thing. What do we do when we have a bad experience? We go on Google and leave a bad review, right? What do we do when we have a good experience? We don't go on Google necessarily and say that we had a good experience unless they're pushing things saying, hey, would you mind reviewing us on Google? So what's interesting to think is that, you know, there's going to be those negative reviews, right? And that's just, I would expect, if there's a company that has a 5,000 awesome reviews on Google that are all five star, I'm skeptical. Right. If it's like a 4.8, 4.9, and there's some really bad reviews in there, but they're mixed with a ton of good ones, that's reality, That's that's real. It's the same way with, glass door, right? You're going to have those people that are going to be disgruntled. You're going to have those other things that are going to have a hard time. As long as you address those, like I tell people in their Google reviews, just make sure you're addressing those concerns so everybody can see them. Just say, don't don't get into the weeds. Don't be like, hey, Nancy, that really didn't happen the way you just said it did. Like, Don't cause confrontation. Just address it. Be real. Be human. Be authentic. That's what people want on
0: the outside and on the inside and i think that's why it's a weird thing actually that we love reviews so much we love to read reviews on amazon mm-hmm. yeah. on yelp it, for a restaurant for anything because and i but i think the reason is because the brand you know the brand the service the product whatever is going to give you the description it gives you and it's going to be glowing and it's the best thing that ever existed but when we go to the reviews, that's where we expect to see the human factor. That's mm-hmm. where we wanna know what's really up. And so I agree, If even if there are negative reviews, whether it's a consumer thing or an employee thing on Glassdoor, what I love to see the most is response. So even if somebody says they had a bad experience, if that employer or if that brand or that product responds to acknowledge and even goes to, so far as to say, why it happened or what they did to rectify or, or something that, you know, offers a solution. That is so much more impressive to me than if there was no response or, or to your point, if it looked like it was too much hype and this can't possibly be real. I'd rather see the real and, and see the brand be real in response as well.
1: We know we're not perfect, right? Right. And, and if this... You no know, crisis has done anything. It's, it's created vulnerability. Um, it's created vulnerabilities for companies themselves, uh, for employees inside of teams, um, for bosses, right? Or it's, it's created a lot of vulnerabilities outside and inside of the company. Um, and I think it's the way we communicate those vulnerabilities that make us human. And more than ever especially in a world of inauthenticity right that we see on social media which has breeded a lot of that inauthenticity uh, we crave it we crave just being real you know just be human and i get that you're imperfect i'm imperfect you know um i just want you to be cool with it you know and and let's let's talk about it so
0: in fact, I think um, there's a term I love and maybe it's yours. I don't know because I don't feel like it's mine. I don't know where I came up with it or saw it, but craveable brands. I love the notion of craveable, craveable brands because that says something. It says that somebody knows what that brand is about or aspires to be. And it feels so familiar to them that they want to get closer to it. That's a craveable brand to me. And I think it really is the human aspect of that. I think storytelling uh, runs the world. I think it has the power to transform and, and storytelling behind a brand that feels vulnerable, authentic, that feels transparent and feels human is so so powerful but it's especially powerful now and and I'd love to know in you know in the last couple of months since we've seen each other a lot has happened mm-hmm. how have you seen coronavirus the current pandemic making business more human have you ha- have you run across that with some of your customers who you advise or just in the things that you're observing how are businesses acting more human right now
1: well i think and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I can't even remember who the other commercial was that I saw, but there were some, there was a lot of commercials going out, right? And there was a really interesting YouTube clip of somebody that had put together a I don't know, a reel full of this is what a typical coronavirus or a COVID 19 commercial looks like from all the major companies. And it said, first you start out with saying, you know. We've had this thing happen, we're all in this together. But, and it just it cookie cuttered every commercial that has been put out by every major brand in, in the world, right? And it was almost like they followed a formula of how you need to create a message for the world during a crisis. And it was almost seen as like, uh, like really, like again, do I have to hear that again? Are you saying the same thing that I just heard from GE? oh, are you saying the same thing just Nike just told me or the same thing that, like, it just, that gap just, it's like all the messages were, they were verbatim, same words, right? Mm. And then um, it was really interesting to see another commercial, a twist, I can't remember who it was, and I'll try to find it um, for you for your show notes, but it was really interesting that there's, there was a commercial that put out that talked about action that they were taking. Like, it wasn't about, Hey, we're all in this together. Hey, we have been hit with hard times. Hey, we get like, it wasn't that it was, this is what we're doing right now to make things better for our people and you. And it was like action oriented. It was a little bit of beat your chest stuff. It was like, Hey, look, this is what we're doing. But it was a challenge. Like, Hey, let's stop talking about all this stuff and let's start doing stuff, you know? Um, So I think with my clients, especially, it's been a really interesting time to, what do we say? I mean, I've got a client who's a a dentist. I mean, they were destroyed, right? Like they couldn't work it. I mean, think about it. You're drilling in somebody's mouth. It's aerosolizing everything, you know, they were completely shut down Um, and they're like, and they didn't know what the regulations were going to be. So really gauging the message. Of how do you say, hey, we're here, we love you guys. Here's some things you can do to, you know, stay healthy, keep your teeth healthy during this time. And maybe you won't have a dentist appointment for another year, as opposed to every six months, and that can be pretty bad for a lot of people. Um, so I think it's all about how do you still provide help, um, hoping that's going to come back to you and really develop the message internally and externally that's going to help people relate to you in an empathetic way.
0: And if you take that one step further, Scott, I think what, you know, what, what can happen if you've done the right job of building your brand in a very human, relatable way, and that brand is tied to you, to the people that make your company run, that make the, you know, that, that make the products and services, but your brand is really tied to the humanity of your company, what that allows you to do, and the people who are finding themselves probably a little further ahead right now, if you have to pivot, even if it's just a temporary you know, thing where we're either shut down or we're doing something a little different or we're offering this instead right now, or it might even be a permanent transition that your company just looks completely different on the other side of this, I think you can retain a lot of that customer loyalty and that brand equity you've created, if and because it was never tied to your products and your services per se, it was tied to you. People know you and they feel like they can trust you. And whatever you offer, they trust that it's gonna be valuable. Again, if you have that craveable brand, they just wanna be close to it. And so you have a lot of room to adapt and to evolve your company if, if you've done the right job of creating a relationship that isn't, you know, about the specs of your product or the details of your service necessarily.
1: Amen. I mean, I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, Simon Sinek says that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, you know? So as an employee, as an, as an internal staff member, I'm not there because I sell a thing. I'm there because I believe what you believe I'm there. And that's the trick. How do you create a message, a vision, a mission, a purpose, a value that aligns with the people on your team enough that they can go through a crisis like this with you understand that, Hey man, I got to take a pay cut. That's cool. Like I get it. Like I understand where it's coming from. Like, Oh, you got to furlough me for a little bit. I get it. Right well, just know I'm here for you. Like I'm back when you're ready, I'm ready. And staying loyal, that loyalty is what it's about. And and if you can create that vision, mission values, purpose enough that it's authentic and real and not just a quote that you put on an Eagle poster in your break room, but something that's awesome, then it's going to trickle down to those and create that loyalty Um, exactly what you're talking about. So I I I
0: used to, whenever I used to work with a customer on a recruitment or an employer branding sort of um, question, the first thing I would do is go to their career site and see what it says, because now you're starting to talk about culture, which I'm going to go to next. Okay. And when it relates to culture, we, we often like to talk about an employee value proposition. What I offer you as your employer in exchange for all of your talent and time as my employee, uh, and what I offer you probably has a lot to do with culture and environment and opportunity and development, and I'm going to pay you fairly and give you all these great benefits. Um, And so when I would go to a career site and I would read it Especially if I would read it out loud to the people I'm working with on the team I would say is this true is all of does this ring true for you? If you were to read this as an internal employee because what you convey externally is often far-reaching and Aspirational it sounds Mm -hmm. wonderful. It sounds like nirvana, but are you executing that? Internally does that ring true and if there's a huge disparity we have a problem. And there's so much opportunity to flip that external brand. It's okay if it's a little bit aspirational. But if that is what you're trying to build, if that's what you want your company DNA to be all about, then you need to flip that internally. And you need to drive that with your employees. And that is culture. And so when it comes to culture, I know that you you. You work with companies not just on brand but in but but culture, which is internal brand perhaps, um, and then the marketing and design that goes into activating that. When it comes to culture, how much cult is culture developed versus you know it sort of is what it is, and it's your job to document and emote that and 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 you know maintain that. How do you talk about culture to customers?
1: Yeah, I think part of it, and I'll I'll try to phrase this correctly, but I think culture is a trendy word for people that don't truly understand what it is. Um, and to me, and maybe I don't understand what it is, right? But you know, but for me, cult- culture is atmosphere. Okay, culture is is that um, thing that you. That, so to answer your question, culture is to me. Um, we can clean up our culture, right? We can, so we, re- we relate culture to like a greenhouse, okay? Um, and we have, a, we have a plant and there's this analogy where I buy this beautiful plant, I love this plant, this plant's, you know, I, but this plant needs water, it needs food, it needs sunlight, right? And each plant has that little tag in it right, that you buy when you get at Home Depot or whatever, and each plant can't be put in the same light, can't be put in the same water environment, can't, you know, it can't be the tree the same. You have to understand the little tag on every plant, okay? So that is number one. Now, that goes into the culture aspect, because so understanding my people, understanding the way they communicate, and understanding how I communicate, and understanding how we're all aligned is the first step. Then you put them in this greenhouse, okay? And if you put them in a toxic greenhouse, they're gonna die, you know? I don't care how healthy the plant was when it came in. If the greenhouse is toxic, it's all downhill from there. Um, you can give it the water, you can give it the sunlight, whatever, but if the the atmosphere is wrong, then it's going to kill anything that, that goes in there. Um, and so that's the way I think about culture. I, I, so I don't really think, you develop culture as much as you. Culture already exists. You need to learn to cleanse it, shape it, um, make sure it's it's correct, right? So I I don't know. Maybe that is somewhat of a development type thing. That might I don't be know.
0: one of my favorite analogies I've ever heard for culture. It. What? That's it, yeah. awesome. Good <laughs> for me. It- it makes it so easy to imagine um, to imagine what's possible because I think about you know creating that atmosphere and that environment. Those mm-hmm. are the things that you can control to the degree to which you know the individual plants thrive. You know, as an employer, all I can do is create the environment, and there's a lot of things I can do to create a healthy environment. But but the plant also needs to thrive. I still need to you know care for myself a little bit. Um, but if I'm put in those conditions, um, I have every reason to um, to attach to it and to thrive and grow in that environment.
1: And can I say one more thing? Because I think that it's really interesting. When I've been talking to people and I'll even pitch them on this idea of culture and developing their culture, and I'll get responses from people that say, Oh no, 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 that's not for me. I'm I work by myself. And I say, Okay, like you still need culture development and culture, you be a culture of one, because really It's your atmosphere. Like, what kind of atmosphere, what kind of mindset, what kind of environment are you creating for yourself inside of your workspace? If it's toxic, you're not going to function at your best. You know, if you aren't getting out and exercising, if your office is just full of clutter, if you're just not able to function at your optimum levels, then your culture at home or your home office or wherever it is is not right for you. Um, So I think we all need to work on that and how we think our personal self-awareness and who we are as people and how that bleeds into how we interact with people uh, virtually now more than ever.
0: So since this pandemic started and everybody started um, first reeling, then reacting and responding to this new world of work, Jason Jason Aberbook and I call it the now of work, and we actually created this entire digital movement to support people with resources, content, conversation. This podcast is one of those channels because people are really having to uh, wrap their minds around a new mindset. Talk about mindset: how you position, you know, how how you set your framework, you know, that is your mind around the day and the opportunity and the week ahead and the strategy that you had to throw out the window and the new one you're trying to create. Like mindset is everything when it comes to that. Um, And so, and so I, again, I love that we have all of these new conversations to help people adjust their mindset to the now of work So I digress a little bit. In that community that we created, like almost 1,000 people have joined in this online community, we've got podcast channels, we're putting out content all the time, and we also ask for their input. And what they're telling us are the new competencies. And, And it's funny that we think of these as digital competencies, but everybody's talking about how to transform their business to meet the new now of work. And that requires a digitization of work. And so I guess you could call these digital competencies or you could call them leadership qualities, call them whatever you want, but people are telling us the new now of work relies on agility, no more static strategies. We've gotta be nimble, we've gotta be flexible, we've gotta move fast, we have to reevaluate often. So agility, collaboration, flexibility, and adaptability. Those are the new competencies for the now of work. So how would that play out when you talk, when you work with companies around their branding and communication strategies, which does involve a design framework and marketing tactics to, you know, to communicate with your workforce and your customers. Within that framework, how do you see some of those strategies evolving?
1: I think they have to be, Similar. I think they have to be, um, I think we have to learn to adapt. I think we have to learn to rethink. No, I've, my, my little mantra right now is, is telling companies, you know, just don't sit on your hands and wait for this to pass. Like, don't just be like, okay, maybe it'll happen in June. Maybe it'll happen in July, maybe. And you're just sitting there doing business as usual. Um, for some companies, sure. Like, but for the majority of us, it's not that way, and I think that it's time for us right now to um, restructure, rethink, re-strategize, reimagine what our strategy is now. And that has to do with being flexible and being adaptable to what we have going on around us. Now, our strategy in January, at the beginning of year, saying 2020 is going to be an awesome year. 2020, we're going to crush it. 2020, we got all these goals. Coronavirus right and then now it's all right we're into may during the time of this recording what does it look like right now like we've been in this for a little bit we know that things are changing or different or whatever industry we're in and how does what does that mean for how we're going to build our brand going forward we've got to take the time now to rethink that vision mission values purpose make sure it's still in on point with who we are and what we're trying to do. Does it still align at a time of crisis? Do those values, vision, mission, purpose still align with when we're not in a crisis? Do we have to change anything? I think that's a good um, gut check for us um, to make sure that that's all still there internally and externally when we're developing messaging and brand development. So um, I don't know. I, that's, that's the core of what I always kind of stick with when, I'm trying to do that with companies and reevaluate.
0: Yeah, and I think, I know, I I empathize so much with people who are leading under stress right now. It's hard life is hard, work is hard, everything's hard. Nobody said it was going to be easy. So being this super agile, adaptable, flexible, empathetic leader, like we, every human being is operating under stress and and sailing in uncharted waters. So I understand that's a lot of pressure for a person to think that way if they didn't before or if that doesn't feel natural or comfortable for them. But I think that's where growth mindset comes into play. And I think a lot about growth mindset and the thing to know about growth mindset, which does rely on a sense of optimism, you know, and and the idea that you can uh, change your circumstances, that you can build you know something new or develop something that doesn't exist. things are you don't you sort of don't buy status quo or something that's static or it's just is, and you know you play the hand of cards that you were dealt. Um, and I think that what people need to know is whether or not you sort of operated from that place of a growth mindset before. it is a muscle that can be built that can be flexed. It needs to be worked on uh, and we can all build that muscle in ourselves. We can all become adaptable humans um, so that we can operate in a, in a sort of an ever-changing environment where there's no such thing as status quo anymore. I, I, I hope people sort of take that message away um, that even if this feels new, different, uncomfortable for you, you can work on it. This is a, this is a new skill you can practice. I think we're seeing a lot of leaders and managers practicing some new skills right now, um, which I think is exciting. I think it brings a lot of opportunity for how we relate to one another and we connect humans to work. I think there's a lot of opportunity there.
1: Yep. I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And that's why I think it's important for us to not use this time as a just wait, sit and wait until it gets back to normal, whatever normal means, because there is no, there's a new normal. It's going to be a new, new normal after this. And, and how do you take this opportunity and, and grow out of it?
0: So one more question that falls into your world and is suddenly so relevant for tens of millions of people. So we've reached, like, it's, I, I hate even using the word because it sounds so depress, depressing, but we've reached depression levels of unemployment depression levels of unemployment. Tens of millions of people suddenly out of work when just two months ago we were fully employed. It's insanity to me. So for all of these tens of millions of people who are suddenly out of work, and I think it's worth noting that they, the, the industries that were probably most heavily impacted, like retail, hospitality, restaurants, uh, travel, tourism, a lot of the people who are suddenly impacted worked in verticals that aren't going to come back anytime soon, or they're not going to come back at all, or they're going to come back very differently. So let's look at all of these impacted um, people who might go back to work in a different vertical, a different industry, a completely different job than they ever had before. When it comes to branding your world, let's talk about personal branding. How, I, how might I look at personal branding for myself as a job seeker knowing I might need to stretch into a, a, a type of job or an area of work that I didn't work in before. How do you talk to people about personal branding as job seekers?
1: It's really interesting because that is something I've, I've tried to push a little bit right now. Um, understanding the the market and I did have a personal brand package that I, I, I did a few years ago and I, I stopped doing that for a little while. Um, but recently I've, I've pulled that back up, right? Because I realize there is going to be a lot of people out there in the market searching, um, trying to understand who they are, what they are, what the value they provide. Maybe it's taken a, maybe there's a little bit of a self-esteem hit that's been taken, right? Maybe they felt like they were more valuable and then all of a sudden they've been let go and they're like, well, why was I let go? You know, and there's, there's all these mentalities, right? Where it comes into mindset and, and how, where are we going to let this, are we going to be Victims of our situation or not, right? We talk about prohibition versus inhibition. Prohibition are things that are like outside forces we have no control over, right? Coronavirus, a prohibition. Are we treating the prohibition as something that's limiting us or is it really the inhibition, our own mindset that is limiting us? And in our personal brand, that could also have a huge impact on how we are going to uh, shape our future. So when I talk to companies about those foundational elements up front of who you are, your mission, vision, values, purpose, your positioning in the marketplace, does it exist now as it existed before? And what's it look like in the future? And you need to think through those things just as you do as an employee looking for a job. So, what I say, as an, don't put yourself in a box, is, the, is my main message. Don't say, I can only do this one thing, right? Coronavirus has just limited me. I don't know what to do. There's, there's nobody in my industry looking for work right now. I'm just going to collect unemployment and just let it be that, right? I think it's about how do you rethink, re strategize, reimagine who you are as a brand, understanding your, your own personal values, mission, purpose your art, right, vision, whatever that is, to understand that once you have that, you'll understand that it's not industry specific. What you have to bring to the world is not industry specific, right? That may be a hard skill that you'll have to learn at some point in time if if you change industries or whatnot, but the value you bring is not necessarily the hard skill. And people are, and you could probably speak to this a lot, right? People are purchasing more on soft skills um, uh, and we're hiring on soft skills almost more than hard skills uh, at certain times. So I think that there's a really interesting spin there about corporate company brand versus personal brand and how really interchangeable. They are when you're right thinking about your strategy going forward
0: yeah, and I think about you know if if we are saying that these are the new competencies that are required to support the new digital workplace and the new now of work, if we're saying those are the competencies that are required, I think the more we can emote that and communicate that externally, the more job seekers hear and understand what companies need and what how and when they rebuild their workforces the skills that will be most valuable in in designing and supporting the workforce strategy moving forward and savvy job seekers will project, project that about themselves and will you know give examples of ways they've been agile and adaptable in their in their work life and it has nothing to do with the job title that they held or the industry they worked in it has to do with the soft skills And the leadership qualities even for individual contributors that they bring to the table I truly believe those are the competencies that are going to save businesses on the other side of this Uh, Scott thank you for such a fantastic conversation I wish I like I could have unpacked so much more here we might need to record another one all over again as as the now of work evolves because it's going to continue to but I think this was really good uh, conversation around pivoting a brand communicating in times of crisis leading under stress all of the, you know the communication and relationship building that goes on with the workforce and with customers more important than ever
1: well you do some great work I love your thought process about all of this you always share something insightful for me too so it's definitely a, uh, a give give situation here I really appreciate you thanks
0: thank you so much Take care. We'll talk to you next time.
1: All right. Thanks. See you.